Progressive presents The Sounds of the Old World. The year is 2019, and someone is waiting for the previews to start in a movie theater. Hey, you want anything? Popcorn? Soda? No, nothing. This has been The Sounds of the Old World. Brought to you by Progressive, where drivers can still switch and save like it's 2019. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. This might look like a normal job, but it's not. When hackers infiltrate networks and steal or destroy proprietary data, we're all at risk. Earn a master's degree in cybersecurity online at Grand Canyon University and help protect your company from cyber threats by performing vulnerability assessments and threat hunting to catch hackers. What do you think protecting your company looks like? GCU offers over 175 high-quality online programs like this one. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. You're listening to the Heroes Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 19 of Kaiju Curry House. I'm your host, Joe, and joined with me tonight are Paul. Hello. And Alex. Hi there. This is episode 19 for us, and tonight we are going to be talking about Harry and the Hendersons, which is a fantastic movie about everyone's favorite furry cryptozoological creature, Bigfoot, and how interactions might have gone down with a suburban family way back when anyways um to get into the shake of things um we'll start with uh what have kaiju been up to there you go paul i've used your pun thank you joe yep i'll uh go ahead and start the questioning alex what have kaiju been up to well in our last episode i mentioned that i'd gone along with my gamecube games sad face and i traded in and got about 160 pounds worth of vouchers I managed to watch Attack the Block, which I I enjoyed it more than I expected. Um, Paul said it's not great, but okay. I I disagree. Uh, I think the reviews of it are fairly harsh. I I got a lot of fun out of it, but true to being a parent, I've watched it in four different parts now because every time I settle down with the film, my son starts (laughs) whinging. So I'm getting into the film and then I hear like a fuss in the background and it's like swearing through my teeth going upstairs. I also uh, got a date weekend recently and um, the date in question was very kind and played for me. Uh, they did loads and loads of Del Toro films, so I uh, got round to watching Shape of Water for the first time, because I'd not seen it when it came out, and that was an absolute delight. I enjoyed it that much that I went on eBay and won a bid for a quad size poster of Shape of Water, so that's going up in my living room. It is a spiritual sequel to Creature from the Black Lagoon, is it not? It is, and um, the conversation that uh, me and said date had uh, over a couple of glasses of lemonade was um and this is not my joke um <laughs> she said she said to me what is it with sally hawkins and kaiju and i said you know well, what do you mean and then she said well the thing is sally hawkins is in godzilla isn't she i said yes she's in the in the american ones and she said oh well she wants humans and the kaiju sorry the titans to coexist and i said yes she said well that's because she wants to sleep with them and i said well what on earth do you mean and then she said well <laughs> 
uh, the amphibious man, she beds him. I said, yes. And then she said, she wants to let Paddington in the house as well, doesn't she? I said, yes. And the bathroom floods, doesn't it? Yes. <laughs> you know why, don't you? Oh, gosh, Alex. My goodness. <laughs> Children listen to this podcast. <laughs> Poor Paddington. Don't worry, Paddington. Unless, of course, you'd like to freshen up first. I beg your pardon? Oh, most people do after a long journey. Oh, well, if that's what most people do, then... Paul, what have Kaiju been up to? <laughs> um, not a lot, unfortunately. I'm not getting that out of my head. I am not getting that out of my head. Strange beast. I don't, I don't want beasts. that in my head. Thank you. <laughs> oh. um, yeah, I have... You know, you know how um, the amphibious no. man likes eggs? Oh, God. No, no actually, the re- no, no, what got me no, thinking God, God. was... Um, Abe Sapien likes eggs as well, doesn't he? So, like, there is quite a lot of links. There's definitely sort of like a. There's a oh, yeah, yeah. There. There's definitely a link between those two characters. Hmm. Yeah. No, no. But but that, that's it. The, the tone was lowered. I've tried to raise it up again. So yeah, Paul, what have Kaiju been up to? Cool. Go on, tell us. Yeah. Um, I haven't been up to anything Kaiju related. I'm afraid. I have been studying my ass off, and that's pretty much it. But um, what are you studying my- for? Um, SEMA, it's a, an accountancy qualification, and I'm I'm very near the end. I've got an exam in about three weeks, so any spare time I have is hitting the books. Um, but my lovely wife did tag me um, in Sankon Facebook about a new Godzilla attraction in Japan. Oh, right. Uh, it's going to be, it's like a, like a life-size, well, not life-size, no, I think it's actually a life-size, but only part of him, so it's like a... No, it is It, it is a life-sized uh, version of Shin Godzilla, yeah. Life-size Godzilla. Shin Godzilla is and and don't you zipline into him? I did not know it was a zipline, but that sounds awesome. Yeah, I know there's a zip. Yeah, I think I believe you zipline down. Well, I don't know if it's maybe it's not into him, it's beside him, and then there's like a shooting game, and you have to. Um, I think. Well, I don't know if it's just shooting him because it'd have to be some pretty impressive gun. Um, but yeah, they said they said you go down into this like containment area, and um, I don't know. It sounded really cool, but I doubt we'll ever get to go, will we? <laughs> It's opening summer next year. Very cool. Very cool. So yeah, I would like to go there. I'd very much like to go, <laughs> but <laughs> I don't know. We're looking actually at flights to Japan, and I think it was a couple of thousand just to stay for like four nights. And like, no, probably not going to happen. I've given it a lot of thought, and I keep coming back to the same problem that if I'm going to go that far away. I want to go for a good couple of weeks, so I think okay, exactly. two to three, two to three weeks, and then I think right, okay, well, however selfish I want to be, I can't justify going by myself. So that's myself plus the kids, and I think right, okay. Then by the time I've done that, it's like right, so that's three full price tickets. Uh, I'm a teacher, so it's during the summer holidays most likely, or the <laughs> Easter. Which is more expensive. Yeah. Say, right, okay. All right, fine. I get the hint. I'm not going to Japan. Fine. Say so it's not going to happen. Uh, n- not anytime soon. Well, no, no, no. Because no, I said as well, I said, oh, I'd love to go. And, and um, I said, but if I'm going to go, I need to go for at least two weeks because there's a lot to take in. Yes. And I'm like, well, yeah, but it's like, well, the kids are probably going to get bored. Um, they're not going to want to see half of it. And then we can't really just leave them with someone for two weeks that's quite a lot for nanny and granddad to do well you could so 
Well, you could. I, I mean, I could ask very, maybe, very maybe nicely. Maybe you should. I, maybe I should ask for my Christmas present, <laughs> Mum and Dad. Could you look after my children? Please take my children <laughs> for two weeks. Yeah, ideally three. Yeah, that sounds yeah. Because my wife, she's up for going to Japan. Uh, she said she'll um, go stay in the Godzilla Hotel with me, and yeah. So dream, dream big. Dream I, big. I, I will dream big and watch it slowly crumble. Dream big and get rid of your kids. There you go. That's the plan. <laughs> Oh dear! <laughs> yeah, twisting my words, Alex. What is it with you tonight? I'm, I'm, I'm on half term, so I'm I'm feeling slightly. Uh, I don't know. Is it half term at the moment? I'm going back to work tomorrow, so yeah, it's it's half okay. term in the northeast. So we've had eight weeks, and then I've kind of crashed and burned from exhaustion. Then I've got seven weeks from tomorrow until Christmas, and um, yeah, so I've, I've been on rest. It has been good, but I, I've entered my slightly kind of raggy stage as i've been away from children for quite a long period and tomorrow i'll be nicey nicey again yeah well i hope so for the sake of your class what, for this yes <laughs> yeah. be, be the be the nice guy lord um so do i need to ask anyone now <laughs> i've been sidetracked what i have not gone yet you have not gone okay joe what have kaiju been up to yeah, you love it. See, I know you live for that pun, so you get to do it on me. Um, I spent money recently. So Godzilla 1984 or 85, depending upon where you saw it. Um, it is one of my favorite Godzilla films. I love that suit design. X Plus recently came out with a Yuji Sakai uh, sculpt of that. And it had the light-up dorsal plates for the Rick Extra. And the second that was posted by Jason Welling on Awesome Collector, I snapped that right up. So that is me done for a while. But um, anyways, uh, I'm really psyched for that uh, figure to come in because I love that sculpt. And there we go. I've also, since we've uh, spoken with John Walsh, I have topped up my Ray Harryhausen uh, Blu-ray collection. And uh, you mentioned Abe Sapien earlier. I actually watched the latest Hellboy. And while it is not great cinema, it is good, rip-roaring fun. You will be entertained by it. So I watched that. So yeah, that's kind of what I've been up to, long and short of it. Because one of my friends who went to see... Is it worth buying? Sorry. Uh, It's okay. I was going to say one of my friends who recently saw the new Godzilla movie, when I asked what they thought of it, his exact words were... It was better than the most recent Hellboy. And he was not saying it in a complimentary way about either film. He was, <laughs> he was excuse the words, he was damning about the new Hellboy movie. And, and I don't know, what was wrong with it, Joe? Go on. Well, you have the Del Toro Hellboys, which have a layered plot, established universes that you go into that feel quite real. You have incredible actors. And... It doesn't move at a blistering pace, and they are there to set up a drama amidst all of the sci-fi and fantasy elements. And they're very respectable in that. The new Hellboy with David Harbour is action-packed and hilarious. Um, it uh, it has a lot of the Mike Magnolia like elements in it, and it's really fun in that respect. It's also a hard R. Um, which Hellboy, I think, uh, probably benefits from if you are looking to have the actual content from the comics in there. I I enjoyed it. 
Um, I think it's a great movie just to throw on, have a couple of lemonades and some popcorn, and it's great. I, I enjoyed it for that. I do, like I said, I do not think it is great cinema, but it is quite enjoyable to watch. Kind of like our movie tonight. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. My, 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 my segue. Let, let's introduce it. Yeah, so for those of you who are not familiar with Harry and the Hendersons, I don't know what rock you've been living under, but it is solid gold. It is an 80s movie. Uh, it was released in 1987. It is uh, fantastic. It has John Lithgow in it. He plays the dad of this uh, suburban nuclear family that accidentally hits a Bigfoot with their station wagon, which does have wood panels on the side. And rather than leave well enough alone, they decide to take the Bigfoot corpse, as they think it is, home so that they can make a buck. Unknowingly, um, Harry, as he later becomes called, uh, he wakes up in the middle of the night and they kind of have a bit of a come to Jesus meeting in the Henderson's kitchen. And they decide um, over the course of a few days, maybe a week or two, that uh, Harry best belongs back in the Pacific Northwest uh, where they found him. So it's just kind of the hijinks that a Sasquatch gets up to in a suburban home. And it is quite funny and endearing. It's an endearing film. It is an endearing film. And it's it's very accessible. And I'd say it's very, it's very gentle humor. There are some moments where I, I really belly laugh. And I still do. But it's a gentle film. It's it's very family friendly and it's easy going. I remember having it on VHS as a kid in the mid nineties when my dad recorded it for me. And it's just a it's a nice, very heartwarming film. Yeah, um, I watched it with my six year old recently. Mm. Uh, I gave it a watch just beforehand, just in case I wasn't having like the uh, rosy nostalgia glasses on, thinking there wasn't any scary bits in it, and. Charlotte absolutely loved it. We had to watch it a, a couple more times over like the ensuing week because that's the way six-year-olds work. And she just absolutely loved the entire film. She just thought it was great. <laughs> she wanted to go see a Bigfoot. So <laughs> uh, it, I think kind of what inspired this conversation was that um, one of my colleagues at work actually asked me, um, Joe, I heard that there's actually a significant number of Americans that do believe in Bigfoot. Is that true? I go, what, you haven't seen a Sasquatch? But anyways, that prompted me to like go online and spend, I don't know, what was it, the four quid on Harry and the Hendersons just for the laugh of it. I, I too grew up with the VHS that just since bit the dust because so many watches. But it is a very endearing, like you said, Alex, it's a gentle film. It doesn't have anything necessarily, you know, like jarring in it. It's just, no, it, it's fun for what it is. Not genre defining or breaking any boundaries it, it's just it's a very pleasant film and we've got three perspectives uh, today on recording because me and joe both saw it um you know back in the day but then i i haven't watched it in years you've re-watched it joe so you've got a fairly fresh mm -hmm. perspective on it but then you remember it from back in the day and we were mocking Paul because Paul had not seen it at all. So Paul has recently seen it. Paul, what did you make of it? I, well, you guys were hyping it up. What a pause. I'm w a lot. Right. Yeah. 
Well, I think it was on our um, it was on uh, the um, episode of Alan, wasn't it? Because he was saying how good it was. You were both saying how good it was, yeah. and I actually ordered it during the recording. <laughs> um, it arrived in the post. Uh, my wife saw it and got really excited because she was a huge fan of the film and the TV series. So she was like, "Right, we're watching it's this." A lot of pressure on you. Isn't I know. It? So ev- a lot of everyone's pressure. saying, "Wow, this is a you know, this is a fantastic film." You know, oh, we loved it when we were a kid. And I think, well, I'm I'm not a kid. You know. Just to warn you, I might not like it as much. <laughs> um, so my wife, um, me and our kids sat down to watch Harry and the Hendersons. Our eight-year-old kind of came and went. So he would watch it for half an hour, then got a bit bored, wandered off, came down, watched it again. Uh, our 18-month-old didn't really care. Obviously, he doesn't really know what's going on. My wife loved every single second of it. And I did actually enjoy it. You'll be pleased to hear. There were. It was. It was very. Fit. Ladies and ladies and gentlemen, this is this is a kaiju curry house first. Paul enjoyed a retro film. <laughs> wow, with practical effects. Oh goodness. But I've got nothing against practical effects. Are they? I mean, they still. They were absolutely fine. It wasn't. It, there was no like zip hanging out of his suit. Um, it all. All the effects were no. fine. Uh, it was very. It was a family friendly, feel good film, wasn't it? Um. And did you hear how measured and reserved Paul was when he said that? I did enjoy it. That that was it. Wait, you know, it's it's not going to go as well. This is my top favourite film. I don't know if I'll ever watch it again, to be honest. But as a you know, what should I watch tonight? Here you go. It was you know, it's absolutely it was fine. I I laughed a few times. I think perhaps if I was a kid, yeah. it might have been a bit better. Probably a lot better, actually. Let's not. Fall around here. What's it like? What's it like not having a soul pop? Sure. You know um, just to throw this out there as well. I never watched the Goonies when I was a child either, <gasps> which my wife also destroyed me for. And when I, and when I watched that in oh, my no, no, actually, I've I've never seen the Goonies. I've never. Oh, I have not oh, even thank seen God. It what? No, 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 no. Okay, so oh, I, no, I will hold my corner there with you, Paul. Actually, I've never seen the Goonies, and. Yeah, I think I definitely must have been under a rock because that that seems to be like one of those iconic films that everyone yeah. of a certain age bracket adores. That's right. Everyone's like, are they... <laughs> yeah. I'm... So I've been I've been scared to watch the Goonies in case I don't like it. Uh, if you grew up in the United States and you're around my age, there are two films that just come out, and there's The Sandlot and there's The Goonies, and The Goonies is just fantastic. Anyways, we're getting off course, but uh, Paul, you did you did mention that the practical effects are really great. I want to give a shout out to the guy that uh, was in charge of that, the puppeteer, as it were. His name's Rick Baker, and for those of you who that might not ring a bell, you are f- familiar with his works. Um, one of the best ones, or the best beloved ones, was American Werewolf in London. He was in charge for the practical makeup effects there. Um, some other things that he's well known for, uh, the 1976 King Kong, the guy in the suit, that's Rick. <laughs> and, um, we mentioned Hellboy earlier, the 2004 version, Rick, he did that King Kong 2005. He was an actor in there. Um, gosh, Planet of the Apes 2001. If you look at his, um, filmography, there's just so many incredible films that he has had a part of. Um, Star Wars, he was involved in that. I mean, it's just all sorts of fantastic things that you know he did. But Harry and the Hendersons, 
obviously it was always going to be wonderful if he was attached to it because when it comes to furry guy in a suit and the puppetry there and involved there's really one name in hollywood and that's rick baker so you know again shout out to him kudos uh yeah hair in the hendersons was done by him so if you're thinking about watching this film you're thinking oh i don't know a guy in a suit you know bigfoot i don't know if it's i don't know if that's gonna look good it it looks amazing it i mean back me up here guys it completely looks the part harry is a living breathing sasquatch and you totally believe it do you oh, not completely and you know i mean the the film came out a year before i was born so you know it, it's 32 years old and the only thing that's really kind of aged in it is the haircuts the henderson the henderson's furniture yeah the, the henderson's yeah, furniture and their haircuts <laughs> and their clothing you know because it's it's of its time but harry himself has not aged badly and that's fantastic because so much um suit acting you know does have a slightly kind of corny feel to it and um for me there was a magic when i watched it and i think th there's a point when harry properly smiles at the dad what, what's the dad called is it george yeah, George Henderson. Yeah. Yeah. When Harry properly smiles at George Henderson the first time, it's it's a really human smile. And you know, that that's because there's a person in that suit. And you know, it, it looks great. Well, that smile, that no, again, that isn't all right, so Kevin Peter Hall, mm. who you know his work too, he was the predator in the movie The Predator. So again, an amazing suit actor. That smile, Harry's smile, is puppetry. That isn't someone's mouth. Really, that's a, that's a puppet. That's cool. That, that's even that's even yeah. more cool, actually. It's 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 very impressive. Nice. Um, yeah. So you have again an amazing suit yeah. actor who brings the presence to it, and then you also have the incredible special effects that Rick ba Rick Baker brought to the table as well. Um, to give everybody an idea of this film, like what kind of budget it was on before you watched it, it's ten million dollars. Which in the eighties it's a respectable budget for what this film is, um, but the way that those special effects hold up nowadays, you would have spent ten million just on Harry. I feel, mm. and again, he's he's just such a great character in that film. I think certainly when we talked about um, Harry and the Hendersons, it was during our Alan Maxson episode. You know, you talked about how um, so many Americans believe in Bigfoot. Yeah. And um, <laughs> I then started digging up little sound clips and watching bits and pieces on YouTube. <laughs> and I, I was giggling again. I thought, this is a very, very funny film. And we'll talk a bit more about that after a break. Hey, everyone. This is Greg from Red Shirts and Runabouts. We're the resident Star Trek podcast as part of the Heroes Podcast Network group. If you love Star Trek and things science fiction, we're definitely the show for you. Join us as we talk about Star Trek Discovery, the new Picard show, and other ongoing content and new creations from the Star Trek universe. If you want to find us, search Red Shirts and Runabouts podcast on Apple and Google Play. And if you want to interact with us as a host, you can find us at Red Shirts Pod on Twitter. And welcome back to the second part of this episode of Kaiju Curry House. We've been chatting about Harry and the Hendersons 1987 film. One of the highlights for myself that I haven't mentioned yet was 
the hunter who's been stalking Harry. Do either of you know the actor for that? I know it was Lefer um, yeah. in the uh, yeah. film, but I don't know. I don't know his so name. So it's uh, David Suchet, and he played Agatha Christie's Quer Poirot. You've lost me there. I'm sorry. Re- is that a loss in translation? <laughs> I'm afraid. Thing? I, yeah. <laughs> this might be a genre that I I, I I I hadn't really looked into. I don't know. I, I know who Agatha Christie is. Paul, Paul, you you must know Poirot. I can't say I do. Wow, wow, that 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 fell on <laughs> that did fall horribly flat there. You haven't watched Goonies, but you know who this yeah, guy is. Good one. <laughs> yeah, all right, all right. Good uh, one. So anyway, I check checking the notes. Um, so yeah, Predator One and Two, played by Kevin Peter Hall. Yikes. Uh, do you know what? I watched Predator 2 recently. Yeah, that film doesn't hold up as well, does it's, it? Um, uh, it's a bad film. What? Yeah, it's, I, I, it's, have, what? I have nothing... Bad? It's blaringly violent, isn't it? It is just, like, obscenely violent. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, um, Paul. Did you say what? Do you like Predator 2? i'm it's got the predator in it so yes i do there were there was two there were two good scenes in predator 2 it's and the the alien and neither one of them had died yes the trophy case was a cool thing to see which required no dialogue or anything it's just a cool prop which really isn't adding anything or saying anything really good to the movie and then the other neat bit was uh, when the elder Predator, uh, he tosses Danny Glover the old flintlock pistol. And you find out just how old and how long the Predators have been coming to Earth. That was kind of a cool nod to the expanded universe. Mm. Other than that, no, there really isn't that much great stuff I, about that film. So I, I watched it with uh, Matthew, who we had on as a guest recently. And he was saying, oh, it's worth a watch. And I was like, really? He's like, yeah, it's got Danny Glover in. I'm like, and what else? He's like, well, it's got the Predator in. <laughs> and, you know, like Paul just said. and Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's my argument. And, and um, Bill Paxton as well. Well, he was in like every. I know film, he was just yeah. He, he was in what day. Terminator, Predator, Aliens. So it just he was oh. he was in ah. yeah yeah he just everything. I'll tell you. See, the thing is, though, is Predator Two, and again, we're t- we're getting off topic. But Predator Two was adapted from a Dark Horse comic, and they changed a few key elements around. So Dutch Schaefer, who was Dutch from the original Predator, had a brother who worked as a as a beat cop or detective, um, one of the two, in New York City. And the name of that storyline was called Predator Concrete Jungle. And it's actually a pretty entertaining read. However, they just adapted all the wrong things from that storyline and put it into Predator 2. But if you get the chance, Predator Concrete Jungle... There was a novelization, and it's also a comic book by Dark Horse. It's worth a read. I think just to kind of close talking about it, you know, after my last point, it's that there are some films that you watch and you just feel a bit, I don't know, a bit grossed out almost. And I watched it, and as you say, Joe, it was a very violent film, and not even like in a satisfying way. It was like, ah, this is quite a cruel piece of cinema, and there's a lot of unlikable people in it doing unlikable things. And after watching it, I'm like, ah. you need a shower 
And the only reason why I mentioned <laughs> yeah. Predator 2 was I'm looking through my notes and I'm like, well, none of you guys knew who Poirot was, so sorry, I'll talk about Predator 2. <laughs> so we'll, we'll, we'll return to Harry and the Hendersons. There you go. Yeah, so Harry and the Hendersons, like most 80s films, will have great one-liners in it and great bits of dialogue. And there will also be a few great comedic scenes. So I think this would be a great opportunity for all of us to just check out what we love about the film. So this is your spoiler warning, folks. Uh, we haven't really given away a lot about the film, um, other than it's feel-good, so obviously it has a happy ending. But now we're going to be talking about the comedic stuff. So by all means, go out and watch it, and then come back to this part of, uh, uh, part of the podcast. But guys, what do you love about it? Like, what scenes or what dialogue was just too good? What made your belly laugh? Well, go on, oh. um, Paul. You've watched it most recently. Yeah, I mean, I have a feeling that if I was a child... The, um, sit would have been hilarious. You told me to sit! No, 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 no! Don't sit! That was outstanding, Dad! <laughs> it, but as an adult, it's like... Yeah, I can see why that would be funny, but I'm not really going to laugh at this. Sorry to say. The funniest, the bit that made me laugh out loud was uh, when they're having the car chase at the end, or nearest the end, and he does he uh, imitates the siren with his cry. <laughs> that Yeah, that had me... Uh, yeah, I, I, was, I just laughed my head off at that. I was thinking, this is so stupid, but I love it. Oh, did, did that get did that get a, a wry chuckle? It, I, that was, that was yes, yeah, that was a jolly chuckle for me at that moment. Wow. That was my... That and the, um, the bit with the um, couple in the hot tub and the chicken... Yeah. Oh, God, the couple in the hot tub. All right, so to set the scene brilliant. up, so so Harry has been transplanted to suburbia where he doesn't belong. He does not get anything that is going around in this completely alien environment. So he he's figured out the concept of what houses are. So and he knows what a window is. So he's looking in the window of this house, and he sees a woman just preparing a chicken dinner. So she's taking the chicken and putting it into a boiling kettle of whatever potatoes, carrots, etc. And he's watching this while simultaneously there is a man who has just turned on the hot tub in the house next door. And, of course, he's tall enough to see over the fence. So he's looking between this woman boiling the chicken and this guy getting in. If your friends haven't told you, McDonald's Spicy Chicken McNuggets are back. The ones made with spicy tempura and aged cayenne. But before you go telling friends, make sure you get them first. Order ahead on the McDonald's app. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. For a limited time at participating McDonald's. To the hot tub, and, he, and then the, another, then his lady friend starts getting in the hot tub, and he's just looking back and forth, horrified <laughs> that these people are getting cooked in a giant kettle, and it's great. And the thing is, is like the facial expression and the sound effects. That isn't a person doing it. Again, it's all puppetry and sound effects, which really goes yeah, to show you amazing. how incredible, how incredible the performance was of that character. I was going to say the uh, hot tub scenes would have mind, but my favorite line in the whole movie is really just the first. So there's an interaction between Ernie and Sarah. Ernie's the little boy in the family. Sarah is the older sister. And I think that those two actors that you know played those two characters, they nailed their parts. I mean, they couldn't have been any more real if they were actual brother and sister. So George Henderson is a hunter, and he... 
for hunters out there, I'm not going to say that he find, he discovers the error of his ways, but he comes to an understanding that maybe he's been pursuing the wrong hobby by the end of the film. So anyways, he's teaching Ernie to hunt. And so Ernie bags a rabbit. And um, anyways, George is just so chuffed that Ernie has killed this rabbit and just like, oh, we have to eat it. It's Ernie's first kill. And then Sarah just turns to Ernie and is like, Ernie, you're a butcher. And then, you know, like, Ernie turns back to Sarah, you know, just like one liner. It's like, shut up, Sarah. It was him or me. I'm <laughs> just thinking this kid had a rifle and it was a rabbit. It's just, I love that line. And it's just the first family like conversation you get to see. It just sets it all up perfectly. I mean, the woman who uh, plays um, John Lisko's wife, Melinda Dillon as Nancy She's just hilarious too. She is just such a great setup. So like John Lithgow plays George, who's got like, you know, his head in the sky about this whole Bigfoot thing. And Melinda, aka Nancy, she's just the one who sees what's going on here. Um like what was it that George wanted to do? Um he wanted to keep it. Maybe we could train it, whatever. And Nancy's just like, no, it's not staying in our house. Get it out of the house. And that's where the whole sit thing came from. So George tries to teach Harry how to sit. Of course, Harry is much larger and much heavier than a human being. So when Harry sits, he tends to break furniture or just outright go through the floor. So Nancy is just watching all of this horrified, like, this is our house. I've brought up some of my favourite quotes just so I can deliver them properly. But one of my favourite moments is when the dad is watching the telly uh, it's, and it's one of these sort of like morning programmes and the presenter says, Good morning, Seattle! And then George says, God, I hate this guy. So his wife says, I'll turn it off. <laughs> no, let me hate him. It'll keep me awake before the coffee kicks in. And I think it's great because it really sums up George as being this fairly average dad who's quite grumpy, you know, says things like, I'm working with assholes. That's a fairly fantastic line. The interaction between him and his son, Ernie, when um, Ernie says, shoot it, it's dead. Shoot it anyway. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, I mean, there will be people who are, you know, um, pro-gun or sort of more sympathetic towards hunting that might be a little bit offended by that but it, it is funny it, it, it paints kind of that culture in a comical light which which is good fun and speaking of hunting actually no tell of a lie you two i was doing supply at this school in the um furthest reaches of northumberland on the border and i was wearing my tweed jacket because it was cold and a kid said to me, sir, do you hunt? And I said, oh, um, how do you mean? And then this kid got onto this genuine discussion with me about why fox hunting was great. And I've never felt oh. so wrong-footed by a child. It was just really random because the kid was like 12. And all it was was because I was wearing a tweed jacket, they immediately presumed that I was into fox hunting. <laughs> Yay, Harry and the Henderson. Okay, Sorry, I thought I'd throw that yeah, out there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, actually, um, also... Yeah. When um when Harry first goes into the house and is it a deer mm -hmm. that's been mounted on the wall? Yes. <laughs> and then George yes. has to quickly go in and hide all of his trophies that he's collected over yes. the years. Yeah. No, it, yeah. it, it, no, it, that, it that did amuse me. Yeah. Yeah, they uh they invite a a, a Sasquatch specialist over to the house and they're gonna have him over for Sunday dinner, which was a roast. 
And, you know, like they're all eating, you know, like all the stuff. And George, you know, John Lithgow goes, oh, where's the roast? And Nancy, you know, she's which, you know, it's his wife in the movie. She just goes, oh, the uh, roast is lying in a shallow, unmarked grave in the back <laughs> garden. Because Harry will take any dead animal or any trophy or whatever and go out in the backyard and just bury it. <laughs> it's just it's an endearing part of his character that he just can't stand that these animals have died. Mm. But it's 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 a really great film in that respect. I mean, there's lots of really subtle things out there, like oh, like his smell, or when Nancy, you know, like Sarah's just like it's a he, and then Nancy asks Sarah, it's like oh, how can you tell? And Nancy just gives her a look, it's like never mind, never mind, I don't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like you know, it's just it, there's there's lots of like really sly bits of humor that have been put in, but they don't feel like shoehorned. They just feel pretty organic the whole time through, which I really appreciate the film. For. I mean, Harry eats Sarah's orchids, doesn't he? At one point. Oh yeah. Yes. That's a great interaction. Mm. And the fact that she squares up to him and tells him off. And it's like, you know, you don't eat other people's flowers, especially if they've been a gift. I don't care how big, <gasps> ugly, and smelly you are. You just can't go around eating other people's corsages. That was a bad thing you did. Ooh. A bad, bad thing. And, and he looks really, really henpecked by her. He, he looks devastated when Sarah tells him off. Well, it's just, it, you could just see, like, it's kind of like poking a bear wouldn't be right, but you could see him just, like, slowly backing into a corner, and, like, what she literally is doing is backing a wild animal into a corner here, and he is scared to death of her for a good, like, 30 seconds, and then he reaches that corner, and he just, like... Just roars at her. He, he argues back. <laughs> yeah, it was great. Even if you are an animal, you just can't go around acting like one in this house! But yeah, he, he was he was absolutely hilarious. Um, there are some cool scenes here too. I'll, I'll I'll say that there's some really neat or heartwarming, you know, scenes in this film. I think two of them for me um, would be when Harry's lost and he wanders from suburbia down to downtown. And he sees George Henderson on the television. Of course, he can't grasp where the TV is, but you know, he keeps going back to the TV looking for his friend. He keeps pulling these TVs out of the store and dropping them <laughs> when they get unplugged, which was both funny and endearing. You know, it was a really sweet scene. Um, another really cool scene, um, actually, the whole sequence of scenes really is at the end. We have the great white hunter Lafleur, and he's trying to bag his Sasquatch. He's trying to kill Harry. And the Hendersons have, you know, they've tried to put him back into the national park, more or less, where they got him. And they're trying to defend him. So George has to do that terrible thing where he shouts at Harry and makes him feel unwanted and unloved so that he'll go away so that he can not die because this hunter's right on their tail. So Harry goes off and then, you know, like the guys, they put on like these Bigfoot feet so they can create a whole bunch of tracks to screw up the hunter's tracking. and. Um, they're all about and everything. And I think one of the best scenes in the, in the show, and it just shows again, Harry's character and love for other things is he catches the dog, like the dog, the family dog, you know, bonds with Harry over a couple of scenes. They aren't best friends to begin, but um, in any case, uh, the dog 
you know, runs after the hunter, you know, starts biting the hunter and Lafleur throws the dog, this Jack Russell, and Harry catches it and puts it down. And then uh, Lafleur, you know, goes to try and catch Harry, you know, like catch him out and like shoot him with a weapon. But Harry looks for all the world like he's going to like rip him to shreds. But then you find out later he didn't do that. He took Lafleur and pinned him down on the station wagon on the, on the roof, which is where um, the Hendersons put Harry when they didn't know what to do with him, which is kind of funny. And he's taking care of him because he doesn't hurt. If that, if you get that, like he's he's not going to hurt anybody. And then even when George um, threatens Lafleur, this guy who's pointed guns at you know like family and all that, you know like he, rather than do rather than do anything um, violent or allow anything violent to even go around around him, Harry breaks them up and comforts the hunter that was going to kill him maybe ten, not ten minutes before. And you just see like the whole circle of like maybe violence isn't the answer, maybe the you know, we should respect what's out there. But there are some really cool scenes like that. They're also sprinkled about the film. And I think that adds, you know, like a little bit of like a higher level to it rather than just elevates it above a simple comedy. Waffle over. <laughs> no, it's good. I was just enjoying listening to you. Um, that sounds a bit weird now. I, I, I was just thinking the entire time when you were talking about the hunter, I was like, oh yeah, Poirot. Oh, yeah, Poirot. But then neither you know Poirot, so it's wasted. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go before we take our second break how do you think this film would do in a modern setting say if we you know if we got a 2020 release of the film oh we don't need to be remaking Heron the Hendersons we have enough remakes right now I would not want to put this film like if Michael Bay you know had the budget Michael Bay god oh god can you imagine <laughs> <laughs> yes I can <laughs> I think I think you Paul know, Paul would watch it. I, to be fair, I would watch that. Yeah. <laughs> if if I had like the predator, and you know, if as long as well, I mean, the predator is quite yeah. yeah. He, he's there. Yeah, well, in spirit, he's there in spirit. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, so we both said it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I'm, no. In all seriousness, though, do you, do you think that this film could travel over to a modern context, or do you think it's just a film of its time? I don't see why it couldn't. I don't see why it needs to be remade. I mean, it's obvious. I mean, like if you look at it as a period picture of like what was going on at the time, it holds up. Like, why can't you have a film set in the eighties? I mean, we've 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 discussed you know off and on Stranger Things in this show. Like that's come up. That's a that's a television series which is taking place in the eighties. It pulls it it does its thing remarkably well. There are special effects in Stranger Things that are not as convincing as the special effects in Harry and the Hendersons, and. Why? I mean, again, like, why would you need to rework that? Like, why would you need to put it in a modern context? That's a good. I mean, it works. It works perfectly well in its. It's a setting. good point. I think, I like that. in my opinion, a lot of the success of Stranger Things has been carried on the back of it being nostalgic for people. It's like when I speak to my kids at school, they say, oh, "I love Stranger Things." I'm always a bit baffled by that. I'm like, "You like Stranger Things? Why? It's not nostalgic for you." Um. But, you know, for whatever reason, it, it it's captured their imaginations. But no, I was, I was just speculating. I think it would be interesting to see if you, if you could kind of um, give it a bigger budget and, you know, CGI up to the nines. CGI, Harry, right, okay. Because... Just for me, have a CGI. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. You could have it modern. We can talk to, we can talk to Alan for being the motion mm -hmm. capture. Exactly, yeah, I'm sure he'd be up yeah. for that. 
I think, yeah. Alan, yeah. if you're listening, we we found a new role for you. Yeah, put that forward yeah. to studio. Yeah. But I mean, this was right, a, so this was an Oscar winner for best makeup back in the day, um, and that shows. As you said, the effects are still amazing. So I can see why. Yeah, there's no reason to. Um, but again, if if the studio think they could make some money, there's no reason why they couldn't remake it. Yeah. Yeah. You want to know what's really funny? It won that Oscar and like we all have like really good feelings about it. But and again, this isn't like the be all end all of reviews, but if you look on Rotten Tomatoes, it's got forty two. Yes, I saw that, yeah. Um Oh. And I don't understand why. I mean it, it is just a genuinely nice film. I mean, it isn't going to set the world al- alight. I mean, no, but it is just solid in its I own right. Hold it in the same category of films of like um Honey I Shrunk the Kids. And um, yeah, it just kind of has that feel, that vibe. It does. It? I mean, like just yes. like, nu- like nuclear family hijinks. That's kind yeah. of what it yeah, is, that. Um, yeah, sort of uh, yuppie in peril, kind of uh, as a genre. Kind of nothing life threatening. You know, n- not going to give you nightmares. No one's going to die. But there's you know a minor peril to a middle class safe family. How do they deal with it? Well, it's comical, and then things resolve, and that, that that's it's pleasant. It's pleasant viewing. And on that note, let's take our second break. Hello, this is Ray from the Heroes Podcast Network, and I am here to tell you about Screen Heroes. Do you love superheroes? What about superheroes in film and TV? How about weird rankings like top five lists or maybe three people just arguing about top five lists? Either way, we are the podcast for you. Check us out every Tuesday night live on Twitch or subscribe to Screen Heroes Podcast on iTunes, Spreaker, and Google Play. Now, back to your regularly scheduled podcast. Hello, and welcome back to the final part of Kaiju Curry House. Uh, today's episode, it's me, Alex, and Joe talking about Harry and the Hendersons. As I'm sure you've heard from previous episodes, Joe is the uh, man when it comes to cryptozoology. So he's now going to talk all about the real life um, Bigfoot, if you will. So come on, Joe. All right. So cryptozoology has a lot to tie into what we would consider strange beasts. Um, when Alex did the amazing interview with our yokai, yokai guy, if I'm pronouncing that right, um, we went into greater depth about how a strange beast, at least in the Japanese meaning of kaiju, can mean all manner of different things, including cryptozoological creatures. So cryptozoology is the study of suspected or unknown uh, critters that are out there. So to give you an idea of where that would play in, so in a copy. So in a copy, you can find these at zoos nowadays, but way back when, it was like a half zebra, half giraffe abomination in the Congo that no one had seen before. So it's kind of used as the poster child of cryptozoological creatures. Other animals that would be in this category would be Bigfoot, like Harry, also known as the Sasquatch, uh, the Yeti, which is the Himalayan counterpart, Nessie, to use a local. Um, All of these are cryptozoological creatures, um, and a lot of them are strange beasts. Now, cryptozoology as a pseudoscience, not a legitimate one, um, looks for proof for these critters, and 
Bigfoot is one of them. Um, in a fun sense, I guess you could say Bigfoot did exist at one time. There's a creature called Gigantopithecus, which if you look into that, it really was like everything you would expect a Bigfoot to be. And it actually existed, but it is now extinct. Um, needless to say, a lot of these creatures have gained pop culture status, like Loch Ness Monster being Nessie. There's the Jersey Devil. Um, there's even a creature called the Thylacine or Tasmanian Tiger or Wolf that uh, recently went extinct in Tasmania, oddly enough. And people, um, they claim to still see it. So it has reached kind of a cryptozoological pop culture status. So you keep seeing these films and they keep cropping up. And that's just because people want to believe in them or they want to see them or there is that fun, that mystery that surrounds them. So there are a few fun diversions, if you like, uh, that you can watch or, you know, get roped into if you liked Harry and the Hendersons. So one of them would be a show on the Discovery Channel called Finding Bigfoot. And Finding Bigfoot is really enjoyable. Uh, they don't find Bigfoot, incidentally. Harry never makes an appearance, but they kept having episodes. And... You would have these people who seem very good-natured, although they don't necessarily want to believe in hard critical science. Uh, they'll go out looking for Bigfoot. They will interview locals. They'll establish like what the Sasquatch was doing. It's fun. It, it is great cannon fodder for a boring night. But uh, my, favorite, my favorite character on the show is called Bobo. Paul mentioned earlier, Harry has a great whale that uh, he uses to um, impersonate a police siren, and thus they get out of a traffic jam, getting out of a city. Bobo has a Bigfoot call, and it's rather humorous whenever he does it, <laughs> because this is what he thinks a Bigfoot would sound like. Um, they, do, they make all kinds of calls, but I just do this one where they think it's like an adult male call, like, long, like when they're looking for each other over long distance, but it goes like... So it, it, it is fun, you know, just take these things apart. But I recommend, you know, you go check out Finding Bigfoot. Um, some other fun films in the cryptozoological realm would be uh, Werner Herzog's An Incident at Loch Ness. So whereas Harry's kind of fun, you know, nuclear family, funny, uh, Incident at Loch Ness is kind of like a found footage film. Um, but it's very sly, very dry humor. And it is quite fun, and Paul will love this. The Loch Ness Monster underwater prop uh, was actually skin taken from an old graboid. So that yeah, makes excellent. it fun in and of itself. Uh, it was done on a shoestring budget. Another great Loch Ness Monster movie would be, of course, The Water Horse. That is a much more family-friendly one. It's dark in some areas, but not too scary for young children. But... Uh, Anyways, like I said, cryptozoology, it is uh, it is like a fun little offshoot of the kaiju genre if you ever wanted to do it. Like if the creature from Black Lagoon ever existed or if those scientists went off and reported it um, in the scientific community, that would be the creature from Black Lagoon, Creech, would be seen as a cryptozoological creature because there's no definitive proof. There's only eyewitness accounts. So it's not really a credible creature to see, so to speak. But... I recommend, you know, like looking into that if you like Harry. It is fun. 
um, to just kind of delve into that. And being the sole American in the group, I will say that there is a bit of Bigfoot culture out there in the United States. And that um, it is kind of fun just to tell the campfire stories about, you know, Bigfoot or, you know, like you're like in the scouts, you know, like you can rile up and, you know, like <laughs> make nervous all of the new initiates into the scouts and whatnot by telling them about the Bigfoot in the area or how it likes to come raiding the trash cans or whatnot. You know, it's just fun stuff. It really is. But there you go. No, thank you for that. That's excellent. Well, I think it's time to round off the episode. It's been nice to just have the three of us on for this occasion. But actually, I owe one extra, if nothing else. Because if you remember with our episode of Matt Fra- with Matt Frank, I had to leave because my son was whinging. So what I've done is <laughs> I've rustled together two books in this case that I'd like to recommend. I know, two. Wow. <clears throat> two so, books. You're in for a treat, guys, yeah. So, the first one which I was going to recommend on our last episode, the book is called Yokai Museum, The Art of Japanese Supernatural Beings from the Yumoto Koichi Collection. That's a very long title, I know. Basically, it's a catalogue book of art that's been stored in a museum in Japan. And it's not so much a reading book, it's just it's a lovely... A lovely book showing kind of the various art of yokai through various periods of Japan's history. And in terms of looking at Strange Beast, it's it's a wonderful, it's it's like it's a pick up and glance book. That was the one I was going to recommend on the last episode. And the other book that I would like to recommend, if nothing else, I think that you should check out the book Killer Kaiju Monsters, Strange Beasts of Japanese Film. And this book, I discovered it on Amazon. It's fairly reasonably priced. You can pick it up for under under £20, I would have thought. And it basically covers all of the main kaiju that you see in the Dai films, which are Gamera, and the Toho films with Godzilla and Friends. And not just kind of showing the kaiju themselves, but it also kind of covers their stats and says what special abilities they had and what they did. And it's just, it's a nice kind of light, easy book. I like books that introduce topics that aren't necessarily too heavy. Whilst I kind of like to nerd out to a higher level, I appreciate that not everyone wants to read to a ridiculous level of detail. So those are my two recommendations, the Yokai Art Book and Killer Kaiju Monsters Strange Beasts of Japanese Film. Paul, if nothing else, what can you recommend? Yeah, um, I quite like yours, uh, I have to say. Because like, that yokai guy, when he came on, I thought that was just really interesting. So, um, But again, I'm not really a detail guy, so perhaps yeah. the more... Yeah, nothing wrong, in, nothing wrong with that. Basic yeah. one is <laughs> more my cup of tea. But um, yeah, I'm going to recommend a book myself. <laughs> so, if nothing else, um, and this... Mainly based for our UK listeners, but also anyone outside of the UK who who might have uh, an interest in folklore, uh, UK-based folklore. There's um, a society over here called um, the English Heritage, and they basically maintain sites across the UK, um, castles and um, anything that's kind of got a historical meaning. They have put together a book um, from eight different writers called These Are Monsters. It's um, £15. It's a new hardback book that's just talking about folk stories 
based at some of these English heritage sites that they're maintaining. So it's it's a great way to see uh, all about the different myths and folklore that's in the UK. And you're actually supporting the trust that's looking after the sites that you can then go and visit. So just a great way of finding out about English history and also supporting it being, you know, kept in a, as you know, good a condition as can be. So that's my, if nothing else, over to you, Joe. Right. So uh, what I would recommend if uh, you liked Harry and the Hendersons or if you liked what I was saying about cryptozoology earlier, there is actually an absolutely fantastic film called The Hunter by – and it has Willem Dafoe in it. And it's about a hunter and it's his job to track down and get a specimen of the last Tasmanian tiger. And it ends up being a great dramatic piece. It's moodier than Harry and the Hendersons. Um, it is another one of those change of heart hunter films. Um, there is some action in it. It's a bit brief, but it's just a very good film in its own right. It's minimalist, but it's really good. And the location is a fantastic uh, set piece, a great prop in its own right as well. Um, going on that, off of that and stemming off of it, there's also a book called Carnivorous Nights. And um, it's a really... Uh, it's a really fun book. It's, it's again, about the uh, Tasmanian tiger or the thylacine. And it's uh, by Margaret Middlebach and Michael Cruden, Crudson. And it's basically uh, two people that saw a thylacine in the museum. They're like, hmm, all right, let's go to Tasmania and look for one of those. And they had very little idea of what they were doing or getting into, but they're kind of learning along the way and they're meeting with the experts and it's it's really fascinating to hear that and like the local legends and the folklore that's around that. So I recommend that carnivorous nights is a book. It's easily obtainable on Amazon and then the hunter by Willem Dafoe and depending upon where you're at, that's on Netflix, Amazon prime, you can obviously buy it. So go for those. They're fun. There are the books a little less serious than the movie, but they're great. And thank you for that, Joe. That was great. Well, I think it is time to close the episode. It has been an absolute pleasure this evening. It's been nice to have a fairly light episode discussing Poirot and, dis sorry, discussing <laughs> Harry and the Hendersons. If nothing else... Harry the Hendersons and Predator. Yeah, and Predator. If nothing else, please, Paul, IMDb Poirot. Not because it's a particularly good show. It's not. It's just... I'm, I'm baffled that you don't even know what it is. It's, it's, it's something I should know as an Englishman, is it? Kind of, yeah. It's just... Yeah, you know what? Yeah, I'm signing off. Thank you very much. It's been great. <laughs> yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. All right, folks. Have a great night, and as always, keep it kaiju. None of this was supposed to happen, but it did, and now we have to do the right thing. Okay, I'll take him back. But you know, it might not be so easy. I think he likes it here. Thanks for joining us at the Curry House today. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, consider subscribing or giving us a like. And if you want to get in touch, you can do so at UK Kaiju on both Twitter and Facebook. Thanks very much and keep it Kaiju.
Uh, Joe is uh, our cryptozoology man, who will be discussing the real life. Real life, if you can call it that. Oh, fellas, just a second. Just a second. Oh. Pause it. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah, can I hear you? Fine? Yeah. Is, you, is your daughter awake? Oh, crap. I can't hear either one of you. Two seconds. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, no. Joe, this is your part to talk. Um, can one of you send me a message if you can hear me? Like on Facebook. Yeah, sure. Paul, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you fine. Can yeah. you hear me? Yeah. It's a new year, which means new reasons to stop by QT, like drinks to wash out the taste of last year. I need more. And fresh snackles worth breaking a resolution. Pizza has tomatoes, so technically, it's a salad. Want to binge a new show? We've got plenty to snack along with it, like our new cheesy mac and cheese. Wow, it's like my wife's, but even cheddar up top. This is the time for new beginnings, and it starts at Quick Trip. QT, more than a gas station. It's a new year, which means new reasons to stop by QT, like drinks to wash out the taste of last year. I need more. And fresh snackles worth breaking a resolution. Pizza has tomatoes, so technically, it's a salad. Want to binge a new show? We've got plenty to snack along with it, like our new cheesy mac and cheese. Wow, it's like my wife's, but even cheddar up top. This is the time for new beginnings, and it starts at Quick Trip. QT, more than a gas station.